Now I want to repeat or emphasize uh, one point which I already mentioned. And that is that the object of it's terrible. I mean, as soon as I use words like object, uh, just, I get a little sting in my heart. <laughs> but but that's, actually, that's actually the point I, I want to make now, that what we're exploring here with Rigpa, with uh, unconditioned awareness, exploring the one who knows, that we are not exploring an object of knowledge. So I said, like, it's undescribable, it's ungraspable, it's beyond words. And these words I just said, of course, we can understand them. Ah, yeah, okay. Unconditioned awareness is undescribable, it's beyond words, it's ungraspable. So what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have understood that it is undescribable and ungraspable, it is not knowable, at least not in the way we usually experience and define knowing or experiencing. Yeah, but to really, to really get at what is being said here is, is, is amazing. To really, at one point, not immediately, because in the beginning there needs to be that, uh, that struggle, uh, that kind of trying to yeah so they, uh, so don't give up too too early but at one point um it has to dawn upon us and i want to read a quote from uh, tara brach um about this it's from a book a true refuge which is a good title because that's what we are exploring here. It's the true refuge, the safe direction, the that which we can rely upon uh, at any moment. That which is not dependent on anything. That's the refuge in the in the Buddhist tradition. That's the essence of the what is called the three gems: Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. The essence of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha is this, this, this amazing nothing, this glorious nothing. So she writes, writing and speaking about the nature of awareness is a humbling process. Yeah, so that's also it's a, it's a humbling process, so if you if you want to talk about it, I mean it's like it's like you, you no word fits and it becomes then so obvious that our language is dualistic. It splits things into subject and object. 
So when I would, for example, say experience, or let's say I experience unconditioned awareness. This is painful to say it because there's neither an I which could experience something. But nevertheless, there is a difference between being identified with the content of your experience and kind of knowing there is something bigger, there must be something more, but you know, not being in touch with that, and the experience of unconditioned awareness. So there is a difference, but the second part of the sentence and the experience of unconditioned awareness is is uh, is horrible to say that because it is not an experience. You're not talk experiences come and go. And there's someone who is ex- is experiencing something. So we are talking about a completely different kind of experience where we don't have a word for. So that's why in the Buddhist teaching sometimes it's called a non-experience or a not knowing. It's a not knowing. As the third Zen patriarch said, words, the way is beyond language. Whatever words are used, whatever thoughts they evoke, that's not it. Whatever words are used, whatever thoughts they evoke, that's not it. because we are exploring that which is aware of thoughts and words. We're exploring the capacity, the space. We, a good image here used in the Dzogchen teachings is the mirror. So they are the reflections in the mirror. That's Sam, that's the conditioned mind. That's the display. And here in this non-practice, non-meditation, we become curious about the mirror. And the mirror and the reflection in the mirror, they are not separate. But you can't say that the mirror is the same, exactly the same, than the reflection. Because the mirror stays, the reflections come and go. So this is a good image of implying that Unconditioned awareness and conditioned awareness, the two truth, it's also called in the Buddhist tradition, emptiness and appearances, they are not two separate things. They come together. Just as we can't see our own eyes, we can't see awareness. This is a very important point. We can't see it 
So meditating on awareness, meditating on the nature of mind, is impossible because you can't see it. So these words like space and like sky, so all these characteristics, they, they can be very misleading. They might make a search for something. So now comes a very important sentence. Actually, that sentence is enough. I don't know if it makes sense, that sentence, but uh, it's a kind of koan. Yeah, so this uh, method in the Zen tradition, in, in uh, Rinsei Zen, they work with koans. It's, uh, so these are questions the master puts to the students, and these questions can't be can't be answered with the conceptual mind. So the purpose of a koan is to like to make to to make the conceptual mind explode, kind of give up. And then there is a gap. So there would be like for a moment just stop thinking. Yeah, just stop. Just stop thinking. So when you stop thinking, there is not nothing, but there is also not something. The next thought can arise. But there is a gap. And this is maybe just a millisecond. But this is a simple practice to kind of point to what we're exploring here. You know, just stop thinking. There's a gap. So the sentence is, what we are looking for is what is looking. What we are looking for is what is looking. This is actually a quote of Francis of Assisi, the Christian mystic. So what we are looking for, you know, as a Christian mystic, you would say, I'm looking for God. And Francis of Assisi says, what you're looking for is what is looking. That's why we can't see it, because we are it. That what is looking through your eyes, that which is feeling through your heart, that which is touching through your hands, that's what we are looking for. And we can't find it because we are it. So it's like Let's use the word peace. So we are, we are looking for peace without cause. 
So we are looking for unconditioned peace, for primordial peace. And we're looking, we're searching, we're seeking. But we are seeking and looking in wrong places. We're, we're looking for the peace as an object, something we don't have right now. So, since beginningless time, we're running around in all kinds of incarnations looking for peace, looking for satisfaction, looking for contentment, by acquiring something, by, by adding something to what we are. But So the shift is the experience that you are what you are looking for. You are that already. And the looking for, the seeking for, covers up the primordial peace of this moment, moment, which you are. The primordial peace from where the looking comes from, the source of awareness. It's the undescribable source from where Awareness comes from. And that's where you're looking from. You're looking the Buddha, you're, you're, searching, you're searching for the Buddha with the Buddha. Here Buddha, not as a person or something, but as the awakened principle within you. So you're searching for the Buddha, with the Buddha, never finding the Buddha. Then she continues, she says, awareness is not another object of con or concept that our mind can grasp. So awareness is not another object. What you are aware of, you are not. So as soon as in the in this kind of meditation there is the experience of, oh, I think I'm getting it. It, yeah. So it, I'm getting it. Yeah. There, there, there. It is the the peace, the silence. I can. Wow, I'm getting closer to it. What is aware of that? What is the way of getting closer to awareness? So you make a backward step again. If peace and spaciousness are rising on a conditioned level in, a, in this kind of meditation, of course that's great, that's wonderful if that happens. And it is a wonderful practice in itself, very, very healing practice. But it's not it. If you can describe it, if you experience it, then that's not it. It's good, and plenty of practices to do that, but that's not the objective in this kind of meditation. Also, in the, in the relaxation, or in the dissolving as awareness, Wonderful experience can arise, visions can arise, you know, 
Kundalini awakenings, blissful, ecstatic experiences. That is a side effect, and but it's not it. The experience of your heart opening and the warmth coming out. So all that can happen uh, through that fundamental relaxation, through that fundamental opening. So it is a relaxation within your subtle energy body, which makes the energies flow in the central channel and in the chakras and is an experience is being experienced as something wonderful. That's not it. That's an experience that comes and goes. It's conditioned. What is aware of that? Awareness is not another object or concept that our mind can grasp. We can only be awareness. So we can only be awareness. That's the shift. So how does the shift happen? Nobody knows. How long time? Nobody knows. It's not in your hands. Not in the hands of the narrative self, not in the hands of the ego. Has nothing to do with that. What we can do on the relative level is to go back to the doorstep and work with provisional methods, self-compassion, bodhicitta, studying emptiness, the steadfastness of the meditation posture, the mental bonding process, all these practices which traditionally are called accumulating merit and purification. So that's things we can do. But then it's out of our hands. In the Christian tradition, that's called grace. If there would be like a, a kind of recipe which at one point worked, then, then uh, you know, so then we would all practice that, but there isn't. And also, it's very different for everyone. Yeah? So the condition, the conditions which we can put together on the relative level so that the shift happens, they are so different for everyone. I mean, there's people who have genuine, deep, lasting, awakening experiences. 
and they maybe listen to a teaching like this only once, and that's it. And there's people who hang around for 30, 40, 50 years around awakened suction masters, and nothing happens. And they do all the right things. They do all the steps, they do the everything, they put the, the right things on the altar, and they do the right gestures, and they do they study the right texts, they even learn Tibetan, uh, and nothing happens, no relief happens. They don't travel lighter through their life. There's even more distress around trying to get somewhere. There's people who study 30, 40 years the texts who are saying that the object of study in this text is ungraspable and undescribable. Text after the text. You read about that the object of this text is undescribable and ungraspable and you study it and you discuss it and you go into the philosophy. And of course that had its value and its place, obviously. But at one point, I mean, there needs to be a letting go, a giving up. 